All right. Happy Mother's Day, Nancy. That was amazing. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Tanya. If I haven't gotten to meet you, my husband, Adam, and I get to lead this place together. And you guys got to sit down, but you guys didn't get to say hi to your neighbor. So just turn to your first choice and say good morning. And then turn to your second choice and say good morning. Today we are talking, first of all, we're celebrating more than Mother's Day. We've, we've done more than Mother's Day at the Refuge Church since we got started six years ago. And what we do here is we celebrate all the ladies. So we want you to take advantage of our dessert bar. We want you to take advantage of our Italian sodas up at the cafe. Um, and just know that you're loved and celebrated. Whatever stage of womanhood you're in, motherhood, if you're waiting to be a mom, if you are already a mom, if you feel like your journey with motherhood is over, or maybe you just know that your motherhood journey looks different. Maybe you're... Um, being an influence in other people's lives in a different way than uh, biologically birthing a child. We celebrate you. You deserve to be celebrated, and we love you, and we want to honor you today. So happy More Than Mother's Day to Nancy and everybody else in the house today. So today, what I'm going to be talking about is the four stages of parenting. Uh, Adam and I had done a Q&A um, about a month ago, and one of the questions kind of prompted me to do a lot of research, and I kind of stumbled on stages of parenting, and you'll hear it called different things. Um, I'm, I'm picking one that has alliteration, to be honest with you. So we'll get into the four C's, the four stages of parenting in a little bit. But um, I just want to tell you a quick story. So uh, about a week ago, I was down in Texas um, helping my brother move back and get kind of established in his life down there. And um, as I was uh, three hours from Waco, and if anybody knows anything about Waco, and if you can recognize me as a basic white girl, you'll know that like the draw to Magnolia and Joanna Gaines and all that stuff is so strong. The shiplap just called me. So I was like, hey, we're only three hours, which really is like a six-hour day of driving, but I was like, it's so close. Can we go? So we went down to Magnolia for the day, um, had a lot of fun driving home. I was with my mom and my dad, and all of a sudden, as we're driving, the sky turns black. Texas is flat, y'all. I learned that. Um, so you can see for miles. You see, like, the storm clouds rolling in. You see the lightning start. Our phones start to do the emergency alert. Um, and then as we're getting into my brother's town, the tornado sirens are going off. And I was like, I got this. Like, we used to live in Illinois. That stuff used to freak me out. But this time I was like, yes, I love a good storm. And so tornadoes or sirens are going off. We get to my brother's house. We run in. It's like... It's pouring rain, lightning, thunder, the whole bit. We get into the house. My brother's in the bathroom with his kids. Um, my mom goes into the bathroom because that's like the innermost part of this uh, apartment that he's in. And my dad and I go to the front door. And I was like, we're going to watch everything happen. Because, and I got some really cool videos. If you guys want to see, I got like a video of a transformer blowing up and like the trees were going nuts. Tornado's heading right for this town. And all of a sudden, the tornado redirects and heads south of us. And so the whole time this is going off, uh, we've got tornado sirens and our phones. We had so many things alerting us, telling us to not stand at the front door. You should probably be in a bathroom or a basement. But I did not listen to the emergency warnings. I felt like I had lived in the Midwest long enough that I was like, well, I know that you hear like a change in the sound and it sounds like a train's coming. So I was like, just listen for the train to come. When the train comes, we'll go into the bathroom with the rest of the people. So what today is, today is your emergency alert. This is a tornado sirens. This is your phone going off. And so what I want you to do today is actually heed the alerts. 
don't be like me. We're going to get into the bathroom of parenthood and we're going to hunker down together. And I will tell you that uh, the alert is to warn you about there's an enemy. And whether or not you believe it, we are in a spiritual battle. And the target, if you're a parent, the target is your children. The enemy is done with you. You've been raised. You know, he's going to do things to trip you up. But if he can take out the leader, think about this in terms of war. If you can take out the leader, the unit is going to suffer. And so what he wants to do is he wants to annihilate you so he can get to your children. And that's what we're here for as a church. A lot of times people think, you know, I'm going to get my family in church. I'm going to get my kids to church. And they're going to help sort out God and life and all of this stuff. But that's actually not what we're here for. We're not here to be a substitute. We're here to be a supplement because the church has your kids an average of 40 hours a year. That's not counting if your kids play lacrosse, soccer, or football. We have your kids about 40 hours a year. You have your kids about 3,000 hours a year. We know that there's school. There's other stuff that take your kids' time, but you've got them in your care. 3,000 hours a year. And so we're here to help you, to come alongside you, help shoulder the burden of parenting with you. And so that, we're going to start right off. Today's big idea is that parents are the primary teachers of God and life to their children. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about these in stages. And if you're here and you're like, well, I'm not a parent, this doesn't apply to me. What I'm going to do is I'm either going to prepare you if you're not in parenting yet, or I'm going to equip and encourage you to help come alongside others if you're seasoned, if you're, and you're in this fourth stage of parenting that we'll get into. Or maybe you have no desire to be a parent, and that's just not the path that you're pursuing. That's okay. You still have influence on other people's lives, and I will venture to say that you also have a parent. And so this message is for everybody, no matter what season of life you're in. I also want to show you, if you're currently in the stage of parenting, I want to show you some hits and misses along the way. I learned things as I was preparing for this. And I'll tell you, um, I'm going to talk about war a lot because apparently that's just like on my mind and heart. Um, but the first person through the wall gets the bloodiest. And so like right off the bat on, I think it was like Monday night, we're sitting watching TV as a family. And it's been a long time since I've lost my crap on my kids. And I did, like on my son, I was just like so done with him. I let him have it. Later I apologize. We're good now. I think we're good. He said we're good. Um, but I was talking to Adam about it and I was like, of course, like I was pushed to my parenting limit this week because I'm speaking about parenting. And that's, that's how it is. That's just how life goes. I don't know if you guys know this about your pastors, but a lot of times when we, when we preach on different topics, it's not because we've got it nailed and like we're so good at this and now we're going to share it with our uh, church family. It's that God is doing a work in our lives in this area. And a lot of times um, the enemy's like, oh, uh, God's doing a work here. Let's test you. Let's push you to your limit. So I will tell you, I am bruised and bloody this week from going through the wall to talk about parenting today. But it is so worth it. The things that I've learned, the things that I'm excited to share with you guys today is something that's going to help equip and encourage you in your journey of parenting. And so I just want to start out. I did clear my joke with Adam because sometimes I feel like... When I get home, I'm like, can I say that in church? I don't know. But um, so talking about um, stages, parenting has stages, but life has stages. And so for a guy, there's stages in life for him. So uh, about the age of four years old, the goal for a man is to not pee his pants. About the age of 12 years old, the goal for a guy is to have friends. 
The age of 16, his goal is to have his license. The age of 20, it's to have sex. The age of 35, it's to make money. The age of 50, it's to make more money. The age of 60, it's to have sex. The age of 70, it's to have his license. The age of 75, it's to have friends. And the age of 80 is to not pee his pants. So now I've offended an entire age range of people in the church. So sorry. But just like stages in life, there's stages in parenting. And so I'm going to just do a quick overview for you on those four stages of parenting, and then we'll unpack each stage as we go. So the four stages. Stage number one is caregiver. This is the age of infant to five years old. And if you guys aren't, uh, if you don't have the YouVersion Bible app, I spent a lot of time this morning putting in very cohesive and comprehensive notes in there. So uh, she'll show you how to get on there. If you hop over to the YouVersion Bible app and go to events, you'll be able to follow along in the notes. So uh, stage one, caregiver, that was infant to five years old. Stage two is the cop. You are the cop when your kid is about kindergarten to fifth grade. Stage three is the coach. And that is 6th grade to 10th grade. And stage 4 is consultant. That's 11th grade to adult. And I will tell you that this is approximate. This isn't science. This is some psychology. Um, This is some sociology. Um, And this is a good heaping dose of God's word. And I was actually praying about it this morning. And I was like, I don't want to get up here and just like present You know, this isn't college. I'm not doing a speech. I'm not, you know, uh, rehearsing something that I've written a paper on. This is something that applies to your life. And so I was praying, and I was like, God, how does this apply to, to what our walk is? And he said to me, you just watch me. I'm a father. You just watch me. And so then this morning I was thinking more about it, and I was like, okay, but stages of parenting. and Is this more psychology and sociology? Is this actual theology? And then I thought about the series that we're currently in. So today's a little bit of a pause, but Adam has been going through a whole series on stages of spiritual growth. And so this very much is something that has to do with your spiritual life because God parents us in stages. He addresses us. He treats us. He equips us for the current stage that we're in. When you're carrying in groceries and your kid comes and wants to be um, helpful, they're probably not a teenager yet. But if if they come to you and and you're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to give you something to help carry, your three-year-old, you're probably going to hand him the bag of chips. But when your teenager begrudgingly comes out, you're going to hand him a case of water, right? Because you're going you're gonna to put the weight on them that they're ready for. And so that's what God does to us. That's what we're talking about with this spiritual growth series that we're in. You can come back next week for the next part of that. But that's also happening in the stages of parenting. So there are two common mistakes that are made when it comes to the stages of parenting. Mistake number one is that we jump in and we try to be friends too soon. This is typically in stage one and two. Mistake number two is that then we overcompensate for what we did in stage one and two by being friends too soon, and we try to discipline in stage three and four. And so if you're a parent and you're, you're seeing some strife with your kids, just some tension in the parenting, evaluate Have I tried to be friends too soon? And I'll get into these stages in a second. But um, Or am I trying to discipline my adult children? Maybe that's why there's some tension there. Maybe that's some discipline um, areas in the life that's just, it's it's not being well-received because you're jumping 
from the consultant phase into acting like a cop. And this is actually the question that had come up in our Q&A that brought this whole thing about a month ago was a parent was asking about feeling like they were overstepping with their adult kids. And that's when I kind of started looking into it and saw that there's actually stages and ways that you behave as a parent based on the age and the stage that your kid is in. So we're going to jump right into it. Stage number one is caregiver. If you're a caregiver, you are parenting somebody who is an infant to five years old. You're wiping both ends of a child constantly. That's what the caregiver stage is. You're nurturing that child who's infant to two years old. You're establishing boundaries with that child that's two to five. If anybody has a two to five year old in here, can you attest to the fact that you are constantly trying to establish boundaries, reinforce the boundaries? So we're gonna talk in each stage about the role, the reason, and the results. So the role in the caregiver stage was the nurturer, the establish, uh, establishing of the boundaries. The reason for the, in that stage of caregiver is teaching the child what you do. This is it. I'm just gonna teach you what you do. The boundaries that you establish now will be the foundational boundaries for the rest of your parenting, so no pressure. But this is a really important thing to do to establish boundaries. I know a lot of times parents are, are scared to discipline their child, especially when they're young. But the Bible actually addresses that in Proverbs 13, 24. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. And when, when we hear discipline, if you've got a, kind of a tenuous relationship with your parent, maybe you didn't have a great experience with discipline with your parents. We're looking at discipline through the lens of how God disciplines us. We're not looking through the lens of your parent was too soft or too hard or maybe just not here altogether. We're looking at how God disciplines us. And because he loves us, he disciplines us. And so what we see for the results here is that consequences for your kids are parent applied. We're not telling your kid like, hey, don't walk out into the street and then we're just gonna cause an effect. I mean, I told them. The consequence here is parent applied. They start to walk into the street, you're gonna grab them and tell them, I told you not to walk into the street, you need to hold my hand. All the consequences in the caregiver stage are parent applied. What we need to do here is we need to be gentle in our tone and firm in our boundaries. A lot of time what's happening is that we are firm in our tone but gentle in our boundaries. And good luck once your child figures that out. They know. Uh, you guys know the, and I'm sorry if this is you. I'm going to step on your toes anyways. The quarter counters. One, two, two and a half, two and three quarters, two and seven eighths. I looked that up to make sure that was right. The quarter counters. What those parents are is they're being firm in their tone but gentle in their boundary because the kid knows you're just going to do what I do and Google what's a little bit bigger than two and seven-eighths but not quite three. Uh, so your kid knows if you're going to be too firm in your tone but too gentle in your boundary. One thing that we tell our kids, I don't even know if I've got one kid in here, but delayed obedience is disobedience. 
I said it last night. We were telling, we told Graham 47 times to go to bed. And finally I said, it's been a while since I've, I'm picking on Graham today, but it's been a while since I've whipped that out. But delayed obedience is disobedience. It's possible to do the right thing at the wrong time and it's still the wrong thing. It's also possible to do the right thing with the wrong heart attitude and then it's still the wrong thing. And so what we are trying to establish these boundaries in parenting really early on is we're setting ourselves and our children up for success further down the road. Stage number two is the cop. The role here for the cop is you are character building. This is in kindergarten to third grade and the equipper in fourth to fifth grade. I'll tell you, one of the times that my husband... um, impressed me the most. I don't know the word to say in church, but I was like, dang, babe. Um, We were in a meeting with the school, and my husband looked at the superintendent and said, you do his education, I'll do his character. And I I know, right? You guys are saying the same thing. Dang, babe. But that's, that's exactly what you do as the character developer of your children when you're in the cop phase. You are helping develop their character. You're helping equip them. The reason in this stage is you are teaching your children not just what you do, but why you do what you do. It's so important. If you understand why you do what you do, then it's not uh, begrudging to actually do the thing. It's easy, yes. It's easy compliance when you understand why. I told you not to go out into the street because if you do that, it's really dangerous. There's cars that are coming and you could get really hurt. Once they understand that, you don't have to just grab them and snatch them back. The results in this stage of parenting are a mix of parent, applied, and natural. You want to allow your kids to fail in this stage, but allow your kids to fail when the consequences are small. Then what's going to happen is you're going to be there to help them go through the consequences, pick up the mess, to kind of sort out how are we going to navigate, how are we going to course correct through this. So we want to communicate clear expectations, and we also want to correct with compassion. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. I love how it says it in the message version. Uh, Fathers, do not frustrate your children with no-win scenarios. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. We want our kids to succeed. We don't uh, discipline them um, because we're just trying to put them in a box. We discipline them. We um, give them a, a path to follow because we love them, because we're setting them on their journey for the rest of their life. And we're teaching them in this stage why you do what you do is so very important. Stage number three, that is the coach. This is when it starts to get really fun, in my opinion. Uh, This is where I am with one, and I'm in the fourth stage with another. And this is why I tell you that I kind of feel a little bit um, inept to be the one that's talking to you about parenting because I'm still in the thick of it. But in this stage, we are coaching our children. This is when our kids are junior high and starting high school, sixth to tenth grade. The reasoning that we're teaching our kids here is how you do what you do. So it's not just what you do, it's not why you do what you do, but it's how you do what you do that matters so much. Like I said earlier, it's possible to do the right thing with the wrong heart attitude, and it's still the wrong thing. 
There's a quote here by a man named Reggie Joyner. Reggie Joyner is the founder and the CEO of Orange. Orange is a, a kid's curriculum. We've used it previously um, in the church. And he said this, and it might be um, a little bit... Um, let's say, jarring for some people. You might disagree with it off the bat, but I want you to give me the opportunity to unpack it. He said that too often parents think their primary goal is to get their children to follow the rules. During the formative teenage years, it's actually more important for parents to earn the trust with a child than for the child to earn the trust with the parents. The goal here is to win the hearts of our kids, not the arguments. I love to win arguments. I love to win anything. I'm so competitive, it's stupid. Um, but even with our kids, I remember having this tension of like, I will have the last word. And then he would say one more, sorry, Graham. But he would, <laughs> Anna, you're a peach. Um, he would just say one more thing and I'd be like, you're not gonna have the last word. <sighs> That counts as the last word. And it's, this is not the goal. This could go all day. Adam would probably be like, are you serious? Like, just let it go. The goal here is to win their heart. The goal is not to win the argument here. That's exactly how it is with the Father. God's goal is not to make us follow the law. His grace transforms our hearts. It's not the obedience to the law. And so what happens is when we allow our hearts to be transformed and to be totally captured by our Father, that brings about compliance. That brings about obedience. Because you are moved by the heart of the Father, your heart aligns with Him. You want to become more like Him. You end up walking rightly. And this is how it is with our kids. We're not here to just like, here's a list of rules. Here's what you're going to do. We're not about rule parenting. We're about parenting with values. And so it is so much easier if your kids can just say some values like, this is what our family is about. We're generous. We're honest. We love others. We put others first. Then all the rules that you would have would fall under that. If you can parent by values and not by rules, you're going to win their hearts. Romans 6.14 says that sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law, but instead you live under the freedom of God's grace. The results in this stage are blend, uh, sorry, the results in this stage for your kids are natural. This is cause and effect. You're going to allow your kids to suffer some consequences. You not to stay up late. You stayed up too late anyways. You're going to be tired today and now you're going to struggle. I'm not going to let you stay home from school because you stayed up too late. This is cause and effect. We're just going to allow you to suffer some natural consequences here. But because we still have children at this stage, 6th grade to 10th grade, we're still going to coach them through the consequences. So when they get home, you're going to say, hey, maybe we need to go to bed a little bit earlier tonight. Or maybe we need to say no to this event that we were going to do tonight. And so you're going to help coach your kids through those consequences that they have suffered as a result of their poor choices. And what we want you to do here is to leverage your routine with your kids. Because when you're in this stage, it's really easy to be like, wow, this is, I'm going to start parenting these kids. Do you know that I have my schedule? I have my husband's schedule. I have my son's schedule. I have my daughter's schedule. And like, it's like a grid that we try to like match it up. Yesterday, oh my gosh, yesterday was bananas. Um, everybody needed to be a different place, but all at the same time. Adam and I are the only drivers in our house. And then like, I had a text from a daughter that wanted I picked up and I was like, I left the house 15 minutes ago. And she was like, 
so does that mean you can't get me? Like, no, I'm gone. Like, you got to figure it out. And so we're busy, right? Like our kids have schedules, we have schedules. And so it's not that we're going to like magically find some time to start coaching our kids and start doing this um, character development and equipping and doing all these things. We're going to take things that are a natural part of our family rhythm and we're going to leverage that time. I have a little chart for you because charts make my heart pitter patter. And what we're going to do here is look at several times that we have as a family. Go ahead and hit that slide for me. Time number one that we have with our kids, our meal time. One thing that we can do to leverage this, the communication style in our meal time should be open-ended discussions. Everybody has been bit by the close-ended question, right? How was school? Good. Do you have homework? No. Uh, what would you have for lunch? Pizza. It was gross. Um, okay. Uh, what are you going to do this afternoon? I don't know. So let's do some open-ended questions. Tell me about the best part of your day. What was something that made you really frustrated? Have some open-ended questions, and that generates some conversations that you can have. Your role, the seat that you're sitting in during the meal times, are that of a teacher, that's when you get to develop some character in your kids. Well, the most frustrating part of your day, so let's unpack that a little bit more. Okay, so like what could you do maybe in the future to prevent that from being more frustrating? This is the dialogue that we're having. Can I just like get on a little soapbox about the importance of dinner together? I know that it's not possible. We don't even do it. We can't do it seven days a week. But if you can prioritize, just set a goal as a family. We're going to sit down at the table and have dinner together twice a week. Maybe build from there, but leverage that time. Make the most of that time. What we're doing in that uh, mealtime is we are establishing values with our kids. We're imparting that family value system that helps instead of reciting the rules, like let's have dinner. Okay, rule number one. It's kind of like on Elf when they're like, treat every day like Christmas. So what we're going to do is we're going to establish some values, and that helps your kids to know what the boundaries are for your uh, family. Time number two is your drive time. This is when you have informal discussion. You get to sit in the seat, well, the driver's seat, but also you get to sit in the seat of friend. It's amazing to me, plug your ears, Anna. It's amazing to me how much my kid tells me when we are driving because we're both looking forward, we're not looking at each other and it's not getting weird and they just talk on and on. And this is really important for you to not freak out. They're going to tell you things that you're like white knuckling and you're like, mm -hmm, mm hmm that's awesome. I'm so glad that's happening in your school. Like you're just, you're, don't freak out because as soon as you freak out, you're going to shut them down. You're just going to be a friend when you're driving. And so just like, oh, really? Like who said that? Really? What are they doing when, at that age that's so young? Um, and so you're just going to have like laid back conversation with your kid in this stage and I can tell you there are times that we pull into the driveway and she's not done talking. And so we just sit and Adam knows, like he'll look out and he'll see like there's some good conversation happening. And as long as they're talking, I'm never going to shut it down. I'm going to let them keep talking because once they stop talking, that's when you need to worry. That's when secrets start to happen and that's when um, there's shame and there's guilt and all sorts of things. So as long as they keep talking, you want to keep listening. The next time is bedtime. Bedtime is a time for intimate conversations, and you get to sit in the seat of counselor. 
This is the goal here is to build intimacy with your kids. I do what we call mental filing at bedtime. So as like I'm shutting it down for bed, I'm like asking Adam, like, did you do this? And tomorrow we're going to do this. Hey, I had an idea about this. And he's like, are you done filing? Like once I have my brain organized, then I can shut it down and go to sleep. Your kids are the same way. Your kids are going to come up with some things right at bedtime. So bedtime in our house, yes, our kids are 15 and 17 and we still do bedtime, but they tuck us in. They come to, they come to our room Adam and I are like, 9.30, we're done. We call it 9.30, Adam, in our house. At 9.31, he doesn't care about anything. And so you got to hit him at 9.29. And so 9.30, we're in our room, and our kids come in, and they just kind of talk, and uh, we pray together, and then they go to their rooms. And so this is when we're leveraging that time as being a counselor. If they've got something heavy, we've had times that one kid goes off to bed in their room and the other one stays in. Or maybe they're starting to walk out, and you're like, hang on a second. I want to talk to you about something. And so that's when we're, we're taking the time because there's no distractions. There's no television. There's no schedule except for 9.30 Adam's schedule. But he'll bend it for intimate conversations with our kids. Um, there's nothing to do but have conversation and then go to sleep. And so we're going to leverage our bedtime with our kids. The last thing is the morning time. We're going to leverage this time with encouraging words. The communication style is encouraging words here. It is so important to start your morning off for your kids on the right foot. You could be real mad at them. You could have something kind of on a hit list that you're going to talk to them about. Don't do it in the morning. Don't send them off to school by dumping on them first and then send them out the door. If you've got all this stress and stuff, keep it tucked inside. You can deal with it later, but we want to set their morning off right. We want to send them out with celebration. You're gonna, I love you. You're going to have a great day. I believe in you. Remember who you are. That's what we always say in our family. And so this is the role of coaching here. Your coaches are standing on the sideline encouraging you when you're playing a game, right? When you get in, the best coaches, when you get into the sidelines, that's when they're like, all right, let's talk about what happened or like this is when we're going to strategize. But when you're out on the field, they're telling you like, let's go, let's get it, like, you know, defense, whatever, sports, go sports. And so um, the goal here is to instill purpose in your kids. There's purpose for their life. They were made on purpose and for a purpose. This is the last stage. This is the stage that I'm in uh, with my oldest. This is the consultant phase. The role here for the consultant is to consult and guide. This is in uh, junior and senior year of high school. And then releasing in friendship. This is your college and adult age. This is really scary for our parents. And I know that if you're not there yet, the thought of getting into this stage, especially the second half with um, releasing, is really scary. But friendship is so sweet. We actually, um, this morning we have a dream team huddle, and um, one of our dream team members was like, my, I have a win. My daughter graduated from college. She accepted a job. She bought a house. And we were like, Dang, like that's a parenting win right there. But that's when, when parenting gets really fun. If you think about it, parenting, the kids in your house, it's a really small window of time. You have the rest of their lives to be friends with them. You have the rest of their lives to be that releasing parent. And so we don't want to be friends too soon when we're supposed to be the caregiver and the cop. And we don't want to overcompensate for what we did in the caregiver and cop stage by um, overcompensating, disciplining, trying to coach them when maybe your coaching season was over. The thing about a consultant is that when you hire a consultant, you ask them. 
You tell them, hey, I need you to come into my business and look at our books. I need you to come and look and see how efficient we are. I need your expertise. And so when your kid is in this stage, they're going to invite you in. And so when we're, this is kind of a little bit gray here when we're in this junior and senior year because we're still consulting, but we're also guiding. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna consult you on college choices, career paths, what classes you're taking to set you up for success in the future. I'm gonna guide you here. But when you're college, when you're adult, I wanna be releasing. I wanna celebrate you being an adult, and maybe you have something going on in your life, and I'm, I'm praying you through it the whole way, but um, I need you to invite me into that problem. You're gonna share, I'm not gonna pry. And that was that Q&A question that we had that the parent felt like they were overstepping. Maybe you were, maybe you were trying to coach your child when they were actually in the stage that they needed you to be the consultant. And so the most important life decisions are actually happening for your kids in this age. Between the ages of like 18 to 30, they're making some of the biggest choices of their lives. What they're gonna do after school, who they're gonna marry, where they're gonna live. Maybe if you're like me, like what new career path are they gonna choose? They're, they're making some major life decisions and we, we want to be invited into the conversation there. We wanna become their friend so we can move to the passenger seat and still stay in the car, but allow them to drive. We're gonna encourage them all along the way. The reason here in this stage is we're teaching our kids when you do what you do. So we're no longer going through how you do what you do. We're teaching them when you do what you do. It's really important. Timing is everything. The results here for your children are natural results. These are cause and effect. And you have to resist the, the urge to bail your kids out. Every time something isn't going well for them, or maybe they blew it financially, it's really hard to not come in and be their savior. But we're waiting for that invitation to be the consultant. We actually see this modeled by Joshua. Joshua had kind of taken up the mantle. He was uh, the leader that brought the Israelites into the promised land. And so his final charge before they actually, uh, he actually dies, he says in Joshua 24, 14 to 15, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. I'm going to jump to verse 15. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today who you'll serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors served before the, beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. He fathered the Israelites into the promised land. He instructed them. He coached them all through their journey. He brought them up in the ways of the Lord. He warned them of the consequences, but then he let them make their own decision. And I can tell you that doesn't mean that it doesn't break his heart. It doesn't break your heart. Maybe you have a kid that there's some distance there. There's an estrangement. There's a faith deviation there, and it breaks your heart. I want you to know that you're not the only one whose heart is broken over that. It grieves the heart of God. But Joshua told them, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And so when we look through the Bible, we see that there are promises attached to what that looks like and what your prayer looks like as that parent through that child that has kind of wandered and or is finding their own faith journey is that you're praying those promises, that they will see that God's way is better, that he is a better parent than we could ever be, that 
He loves us beyond all comprehension. And that one day, your child will have this encounter with God, and they will decide that he is the way, the truth, and the life. These stages here, if you kind of look at the four stages that I talked about, these stages go from structured to more permissive. It gets more fun. And so don't be afraid as you're getting on to stage three and four. You never end parenting. It doesn't matter if your kid is 70 years old. You're really old. But you're, you're never going to, I'm sorry, again, um, you're never going to end your journey in parenting. It's just that it looks different. And so I know that it's scary. I can tell you I'm already, like, getting a little of a glimpse when I think about, like, high school graduation next year. I have a friend has um, a kid the same age, and our plan is to hold each other and cry during graduation. And so, but it's not a bad thing. This is actually an exciting thing. This is the beginning of the rest of your kid's life, and hopefully you've nailed it in these stages. But if you're like me, you've probably had some misses, but that doesn't mean that God can't fill in the gaps where we have, uh, we've left some holes. And so what the ultimate goal of parenting is, is letting go. The ultimate goal of parenting is to release them. There's actually more danger in caring more about the protection of your child than to provide them with purpose. When we, when we just wanna protect our kids, we wanna keep them like sheltered, we wanna like keep them in a pocket and not let the world touch them and we're just gonna like keep them and pet them. That's weird, first of all, but that's also not allowing your kid to discover your purpose. Part of discovering your purpose is making mistakes. But we're going to be here as parents to encourage them along the way, to pick them up. And even because we love them, we're going to allow them to suffer some natural cause and effect consequences. What happens when we try to protect and preserve? We actually hear about this in the parable of the three servants in Matthew 25. So what's happened is that there's a master and he goes to his servants and he gives them all a different amount of money. And all the servants do different things with the money. Some invest it, one of them buries it. And the master comes back and he wants to follow up. Like, hey, what happened with the money that I gave you guys? Like, what's going on? And so Matthew 25, 24, it says, then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. Verse 25 is what I want you guys to hear. I was afraid that I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth look, here's your money back. How many times do we want to do that with our kids? We're afraid that we're going to lose them. We're afraid they're going to make their own decisions when it comes to faith. So we're going to hide them. We're going to hide them in the earth. But look, God, I still got them. They're preserved. They're good. And we go on in verse 26. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. I knew that if you knew that I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why did you deposit my money into the bank? At least I would have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Don't hinder your children from making the impact that they were born to make. We're not gonna hide our kids away. The world needs our kids. They need the light. We've got stages that we'll parent them through. We've got ways that we can love them, that we can equip them and prepare them for this world. But the ultimate goal here is to release them into the wild. 
And that's what God does with us. He's preparing us through these stages of spiritual growth. He's equipping us, but he's releasing us. He needs us to do this work. He actually doesn't need us. He wants us, which blows my mind even more, that he could turn the world on a dime, but he chooses to use us to flip this world upside down. And so if you're here today and just this message kind of touches your heart in in a way that you're saying that, like, there's some changes that I need to make in my parenting, I will tell you that I'm right alongside with you. Or maybe you've blown it in your parenting and this message grieves your heart. Maybe you nailed it in your parenting and your kids because they're human and this isn't a science, this is an art. Maybe you did everything right and they're still on their own faith journey and it grieves your heart. I want you to know that we're here for you. We're not a substitute, we're a supplement. And we're here to come alongside you, to encourage you and to pray for your kids with you. So we have our prayer team, they'll come up to the front. And if there's any need that you have, when it comes to your parenting, to your life, to your struggles, or maybe just celebrating some wins, we wanna do that with you. We want to carry your burden. We want to carry your weight, but we also want to celebrate your victory with you. So if you would go ahead and stand, we're going to close in prayer and then a song. God, we love you. We thank you so much for the way that you parent us. We thank you for the way that you love us. We thank you for the way that even when we screw up royally, Lord, you never stop loving us. You never stop pursuing us that your ways are so much better than our ways. Lord, we just ask that you would just give us opportunity to learn from you, to see how it is that you parent, how you father us. Lord, help us to father like you. Help us to father with love, with boundaries, but also with release. We love you, God. We thank you for today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing as we close today.